Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Yellow Noise. I'm Ellen. And I'm Polly. In light of celebrating Lunar New Year tomorrow, this week we're going to be talking about growing up in an immigrant household. So to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about your parents' story immigrating to America? Yeah, so my parents both immigrated to America from Shanghai, but separately they they met in America. Mm -hmm. And they both came here for further education. My mom for pharmacy school and my dad, I believe, getting his master's. And they first immigrated to Boston and met there. So I was born in Boston. Similar, My sister was also born in Boston. And we lived there until I was about five, six years old, and then we moved to California. What about you? My parents both grew up in Hong Kong, and then they actually both went to the UK to go to college, and that's where they met originally. And after that, my dad immigrated first to America um, also for like further education. So he was getting his PhD in Berkeley, and my mom actually went back to Hong Kong for a few years, but they were like dating, like long distance, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as like they got engaged and then married, then my mom also immigrated out to California and lived with my dad in Berkeley. Well, that's, I didn't know your parents lived in the UK for a while. Yeah, yeah. They both went to college there. I think just like with the Hong Kong-British relationships, mm-hmm. like it was easier for them to go to school there. Um, and like my dad's a little bit older than my mom, but he took a few years off before going to college and so that's why they ended up in the UK at the same time Got and it. were able to meet. Um, so yeah, since ever since moving to the Bay Area, they've basically never left. So they've lived in a few places around the Bay, um, but yeah, pretty much grown up there my entire life. Um, so I guess that brings us to our first topic, the past. What was your childhood like um, growing up in California, in the Bay Area specifically? And Maybe when did you first recognize that your family was different, perhaps, than other families? Yeah, I think one of the unique things about growing up in the Bay Area is that there are actually, like, a majority of immigrant families (laughs) here and a majority of, like, Chinese-American immigrants, too. Um, And so I think it did take me a really long time to realize that I was kind of different. And I don't think I actually had very many non-Asian or non-Chinese friends until... I probably got to middle school um, just because, like, my elementary school was, ex- like, it was just a small school and it was extremely, um, like, homogenous, I guess you would say. And so most of my friends were had really, really similar upbringings to me um, with parents who also immigrated there, like, in a similar time that mine did. Um, but I think one of the main things that I, rec- like, realized after getting older was that you know, my parents just raised me with like a ton of frugalness, um, which I think is super common. But growing up, I thought that we were poor. Um, and like, obviously, my definition of like rich and poor was extremely limited and like very biased just based on like my extremely small point of view as like a kid. But I remember like we didn't really have like, you know, like the toys or like the stuff that a lot of like my friends yeah. had. Um, and so that, that, it didn't really strike me as like, oh, like my parents just didn't think we needed it. I thought that we couldn't afford it. Um, and like one thing that we did as kids that like I thought was like normal, but now looking back is like kind of weird. Um, my parents like 
didn't let us keep any of our Christmas presents that we got from like other people. Yeah, we would get like <laughs> gift receipts for everything, and we would basically either like return all the gifts because she was like, I don't know if it's like we just didn't like she's like you guys don't need this many toys, mm-hmm. but like we either returned or regifted like a lot of our Christmas presents did as the, kids. Did the gifters know this? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I w- I just remember like. Like, they would maybe let us pick, like, one or two toys mm-hmm. that, like, we got to keep. But they were always just like, we don't need this. Like, you guys don't need this many toys. So we're just going to give them away. And, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was honestly, like, probably right of them. Because, like, I don't think we needed that many toys. Yeah. But what about you? Yeah, my parents were similarly very frugal growing up. Uh, I remember I only had one Game Boy Advance. And that was the only game console I had whereas everyone else had like all the different versions of the Game Boys and they got to buy as many games as they wanted Mm -hmm. but the only games I owned were these bootleg versions (laughs) that we got from China so the first time I went to China was in fourth grade and I remember I wanted to buy these bootleg Harry Potter DVDs (laughs) and already the price was pretty much one dollar per dvd mm-hmm. and i thought it was a good deal so i was obviously making like a tantrum when my mom said she didn't want to buy it mm-hmm. and then so she had to give in and buy it at that price of one dollar <laughs> per dvd and then afterwards i got yelled at because my mom was like why did you throw a tantrum we could have bargained for a lower deal but you ruined everything and i was like i just wanted to watch harry potter in the fifth movie yeah, I actually also played bootleg Game Boy games. The only real version that I owned of any game was Pokemon Yellow. Mm-hmm. And that was because that game and the original Game Boy was a gift for my birthday, like when I was like five or six. And then every game that we had after that was like, yeah, a game that like my uncle in Hong Kong would like get from some <laughs> like, you know, random person off the street that was like, it would say like 52 games in yeah. one, but only be four games repeated over and over again. Yeah. Um, it was always like, like four actual Pokemon games and then one random like Harry Potter <laughs> game or something. Oh, I don't even think mine were that like fancy. I feel oh, like dang. they were just like, they were bootleg games of like bad games or like games that people didn't want. So yeah, I played a lot of those growing up too. Yeah, very attached to those games. Um, but I guess in terms of when I first realized that my family was different, the first five years of my life in Boston, I think there was a lot more diversity than there was in the Bay Area. But I think as a kid, you don't really see those differences. Like you just all play on the swing. There wasn't anything different about the way my family was than other families mm-hmm. I saw. But I remember um, coming to California, one of the first times I realized that being Asian meant having a different culture was um, I went to a friend's house for a play date, a white friend's house for a play date, and her mom served us craft mac and cheese, and I was <laughs> shook. Because <laughs> my family like didn't eat any cheese growing up. I just don't think it's a popular ingredient in any mm-hmm. Asian foods. Um, I guess now a lot of Korean food just has a lot of mozzarella cheese in it. But yeah, growing up, I didn't really see cheese that often. So I was like, whoa, different cultures eat different foods. And Mm. that was a surprise to me. Food probably was like my first foray into understanding like, oh, there are some like differences. Um, But also just like internet and memes, I think. I remember... um, watching Russell Peters stand-up comedy oh, yeah. was like was like a 
a huge like just hearing someone on screen I think say like oh yeah like these differences between growing up Asian or South Asian and then like and he would talk about you know having white friends that have totally different upbringings I was like oh you're right like there are a lot of differences I don't I still didn't like interact with that many white people I think just because yeah like the Bay Area and like the schools that I went to were predominantly Asian but um yeah I think it was probably the internet that like really showed me like Mm -hmm. oh they're like these differences in your culture were there any other things that you felt like growing up that were maybe unique to like being like being in an immigrant household or anything yeah I always felt that my parents cared a lot more about my grades than Mm -hmm. some of my non-Asian friends to a point where perhaps like maybe it wasn't the healthiest but I would be Mm -hmm. so scared of getting you know like a B or even a C growing Mm -hmm. up Mm because I just knew I think it was feeling that I was disappointing my parents was the hardest and it felt like growing up I had a lot of ambition but not a lot of goals Mm -hmm. because my ambition was just trying to meet these thresholds of like being an A student Mm -hmm. um, you know scoring 100% on a test Mm -hmm. doing these extracurricular activities well but it never felt like I had a goal that I was trying to reach like I didn't know what I wanted for myself Mm -hmm. Um, like I think growing up I thought I wanted to be a doctor for the longest time Uh because I mean being a doctor it's also a great career because you're obviously you know saving lives and and helping the community but that was just all I ever knew because I think from my parents standpoint that's all they knew as Mm -hmm. well Um, those were the highly regarded careers back in their hometown Mm -hmm. and they thought it was the only way to achieve that higher status Mm -hmm. um but then I took AP bio and I was like oh god I hate biology I'm never (laughs) gonna make it so I had to cancel those plans (laughs) yeah very similarly I also thought I was gonna be a doctor when I grew up but it wasn't you made it farther (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I, I really thought that it was gonna happen I mean I thought it was really what I wanted to but I don't think it was as much that like I didn't like it was something that was just told to me and I didn't want it I think I did want it I just didn't realize there was also other things that you could do or could Mm -hmm. want that would also be really like fulfilling or interesting um because like unlike your AP bio experience like that was probably my favorite science out Mm -hmm. of all of them and so I was like oh this is like kind of pairs up with what I want to do in the future but then I got to college and I was like oh actually like I prefer you know engineering so that kind of dream died in, in college and I think my parents actually were really disappointed mm-hmm. um in in me like telling them I didn't want to be a doctor anymore but they're also they've still been like really supportive of you know I mean I ended up being an engineer so like really how <laughs> yeah. how different is it how and, disappointing yeah could you really be? an engineer in medical devices still yeah. so you know I feel like one thing that might have been unique to just like growing up in an immigrant household was like trying to like help my mom like write emails in English mm-hmm. um and I feel so bad thinking back on this because I would get so frustrated with her whenever she asked me for help because like I don't even know who she was emailing at this point (laughs) but like yeah she would be like oh can you first like help her open her email and like what her password was I was like mom like I don't know these things (laughs) like (laughs) I don't know your password to your account but then would like you know help her troubleshoot all that and then she would be like this is what I want to say um so either I would have to draft the entire email for her or, like, she would write it first and ask me to, like, read it over. Mm-hmm. And I would just get so frustra- frustrated with her. Um, and, like, now I just feel so bad when I think about it. And 
she tried her best and if she asked me to do the same thing like if the roles were reversed and I had to write an email in Chinese like yeah. I'd be so screwed and I would not yeah. be able to do it without her did your parents speak English well growing up and how, like, how engaged were your parents with American culture um my dad's English is good um I would say it's like really good mm-hmm. he just has like an accent um my mom's English has gotten a lot better over mm-hmm. the years like compared to when I was a kid but it's definitely not her dominant language still like she still mm-hmm. feels most comfortable speaking in Cantonese or even yeah. Mandarin um and there are still like things that like she feels like or like she'll express better in Chinese than in um, English to me but my dad pretty much uh speaks English like all the time now mm-hmm. and I remember he told me he was like the day I knew that I was like good at English was when he had his first dream in English he said and I was like I don't even recognize or realize like that I have dreams in a particular language or anything yeah but he said like like he would he started thinking to himself in English mm-hmm. like when he would like think about something or like read something like it it was in English at some point and so that's kind of how he knew so yeah what about your parents yeah both my parents speak pretty good English I think my mom's English is a little better than my dad's mm-hmm. um, but that's me I think just because my dad is older than my mom so mm-hmm. spent more time in China mm-hmm. and maybe other people would say they have accents but to me I don't really hear that much of an accent when my parents speak English so I guess that's something that's really impressive that I never really valued growing up like how hard my parents worked in order to assimilate into American culture. Mm-hmm. And they definitely tried to make our childhood as American as possible, which mm-hmm. looking back on, I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that was so hard of them to do these things, but they really tried for us. Small things like going to Disneyland, which I'm <laughs> sure to them was like the most miserable experience ever, yeah. but they wanted us because that's like the, a big, Thing to do as mm-hmm. a kid like every kid goes to Disneyland or Disney World we even went to Disney World mm-hmm. um and I remember my parents would take us skiing mm-hmm. even though we didn't even want to go skiing but my parents were so insistent that we went to ski because I think that was something they didn't have growing up but they saw all their American co-workers mm-hmm. taking their families to go to Tahoe so mm-hmm. they wanted us to have the same experience yeah that's really sweet yeah, we also went to Disneyland, but I guess I never thought about it in that context of, like, trying to give us an an American, like, upbringing or an American childhood. So, yeah, that's really... Did you go to Chinese school? I did. <laughs> oh, boy. Did you go to Chinese school? I did, yeah. Okay. Um, it's actually funny because probably in elementary school and middle school, I had the most diverse set of friends I had. And then starting from high school, I would say my friend group was predominantly Asian. Mm -hmm. Um, And a large part of that was probably going to Chinese school and my parents making more friends with other Chinese Mm -hmm. families. Because when I was younger, obviously, my parents were spending more time working Mm -hmm. and they probably had less time to be social. But then the friends who I went to Chinese school with, our parents were friends as well. Like We would carpool and everything together and I would go every Sunday mm-hmm. um, and it was a whole day thing like looking back my, I guess my childhood was a little sad and I don't think <laughs> I was a very social kid because I would spend every Saturday going driving from you know the peninsula to South Bay for piano lessons mm-hmm. 
and then SAT lessons when that happened. Mm -hmm. And then Sundays were entirely spent at Chinese school. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was almost just as much of a South Bay kid as a kid (laughs) who actually lived in South Bay. Wow. Um, Did you like Chinese school? Oh, no, I hated it. (laughs) Which is probably why my Chinese is not that good right now. (laughs) It was definitely an, an area that I did not spend that much effort in which looking back I wish I did Mm because you know being bilingual is so important Mm -hmm. but what about you so I guess like for a little bit of context my parents mainly speak Cantonese Mm -hmm. um, as their predominant like Chinese language and so I went to Chinese school for Mandarin and so I never really like, I, I think I was a little bit disadvantaged and like, most of the people that I went to Chinese school with had came from, like, a Mandarin-speaking mm-hmm. family. Um, and mostly, I feel like they were Taiwanese-American. And so, like, they, they're, like, a really specific type of Mandarin, too. Um, and so I always was, like, extremely embarrassed to use Chinese or, like, to speak it out loud because I knew that it was bad and I knew that I had an accent. And, like, not just, like, an American accent, but also, like, because I would mix up some Cantonese words with Mandarin words, mm-hmm. like, it was also just like worse and so I it was both that like I didn't enjoy learning it and I felt like embarrassed to speak it that I think I really didn't pick up on as much Mandarin as I wish I did now Mm -hmm. actually over Christmas break when I went home uh, to see my family (laughs) we still had like our workbooks from Chinese school like you you get like one book every grade basically And, and my mom like quizzed us on like what level of Chinese like we could still read Um, and so like basically if you flip to the really back of the book it's just like a summary of like what you were supposed to learn that year and in like a story form and I could probably only get until like the fifth or sixth grade level and still be able to read all of it and my little brother could probably only get to like the third or fourth grade level and then my Mm -hmm. sister could like pretty much read all of it and I was like super impressed Yeah. yeah her Mandarin's way way better than um than any of ours and so yeah, it's kind of sad because I feel like I spent so many years doing that. And yeah. like, now I can't even say anything. <laughs> but I did get a five on the AP Chinese oh, exam. as so, did I. Yeah. So what the heck was yeah, that testing for? So <laughs> <laughs> what really mattered here? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure my school didn't even take that score. Oh, so really? it's like, why did I even take this thing? But yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I remember because my, my high school didn't offer AP Chinese, mm-hmm. but then there were enough Chinese students that they at least held a place to take the AP Chinese exam for uh, us. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I had to go to like a community college or community yeah. center or something to go take my test. Um, but yeah, so many, so many memories of Chinese <laughs> school. Um. So what has changed for you you know, now that we've gone off to college and come back, um, what is like your dynamic with your family? Yeah, I think the most prevalent difference is that my parents hug me now. (laughs) In general, they're just a lot more affectionate. And I don't remember that kind of affection growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was like a bad thing. I wasn't traumatized by not having affectionate parents growing up it was just the way things were Mm -hmm. but maybe it has like impacted how I portray myself Mm -hmm. but yeah now my parents hug me my dad calls me honey at times (laughs) and my parents text me and they've started using acronyms like my parents will use lol (laughs) and I think that's really funny and cute that is cute yeah 
my parents also text me with like emojis now, which I think is um, super cute. But similarly, yeah, I we didn't have like a ton of um, like hugging or I love yous and stuff growing up. And it actually took me until pretty recently. So I took this like five love languages test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I think it showed me like how much actually my upbringing affects like how I express and receive love because I think that it is very like Chinese American or maybe like immigrant to have like your dominant love language be acts of service Mm -hmm. so like I feel like yeah my parents were always like providing for me and they always you know wanted to feed me I think like food was a big way that they expressed love but it wasn't through like some of the other types of love language like you're saying like hugging is like physical touch or like you know saying like I'm proud of you or whatever um is like words of affirmation and so I it those aren't actually ways that I also express like love to other people and when sometimes like when people tell tell me like good job or I'm proud of you I'm like what like what are you saying like yeah <laughs> are you being sarcastic like what do you mean you know like it, it's actually really it feels weird for me to like hear people say that to me um and so I like predominantly do prefer like acts of service um whether it's like oh I, I saw that you were tired and so I did this for you mm-hmm. or like um, you didn't have time to do this, and so I, like, did the laundry or whatever. So, yeah, I think, like, that has really affected, um, like, how I am now. But I think, in general, after having gone off to college and come back, like, I'm much more friends with my mm-hmm. parents now. And so, like, my mom and I will, like, gossip or, like, talk about, like, random stuff. Um, and my dad and I will talk a lot about, like, tech and engineering stuff <laughs> now. Because um, I'm, like... Uh, I mean, my sister isn't in engineering, and I was, like, the first in the family to be an engineer after, like, my dad, and so I felt like we had a lot of that to, like, connect over and talk about, and so um, every once in a while, he'll, like, send me an article, like, hey, did you see what's going on in, like, this space in, you know, health tech or whatever, and so that's been, like, a new dynamic, I feel like, for me and my dad. Yeah, I guess I do chat with my parents a lot more. Uh, with my mom, I talk to her a lot about stocks or stonks. <laughs> stonks. <laughs> Game stocks, stonks. Um, so that's been fun because she gives really great advice and help, has helped me have strong returns. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess what you said about a, um, maybe like immigrant families using acts of service to portray their love, maybe I guess that's probably why not being affectionate didn't traumatize me growing up Mm because I felt loved by my parents Mm -hmm. anyways. Like, my mom would always cut fruit at the end of the night (laughs) and give it to me. I feel like the cut bowl of fruit after dinner is, like, every Asian mom's, like, love language. Yeah. Like, that... Even when I go home now, my mom always still, like, insists on, you know, asking me, like, oh, which fruit do you want? She always has, like, at least three fruits like three different types of fruits lying around and so she's like which one do you want after dinner I'm like super stuffed but I still feel like I have to say yes because like I know like that will also make her feel like good yeah my parents will drive the 30 minutes back and forth just to drop off food in San Francisco mm-hmm. I guess they've also just been spending a lot more these days than they mm-hmm. did when I was growing up uh, my parents have been going out to eat a lot more and mm-hmm. my mom always buys like expense not expensive but like popular foods on the wechat market (laughs) like there is a wechat market for selling goods like 
pork buns or sliced lamb for hot pot. They're mm -hmm. really quality products. So my mom definitely splurges a lot there. I think she bought uni off of the WeChat oh. market. I don't know where it came from, but <laughs> she got it somehow. That's awesome. Yeah, my parents eat out way more now than when we did growing up. I think it kind of goes back to like that whole I thought we were poor thing because mm -hmm. we like eating out was such a luxury and we clipped coupons for everything, including yeah. restaurants. Like, yeah. And looking back now, I'm like, man, if I could find some coupons to go to my favorite restaurants, like I would for I sure use those. I was like, like, what why happened to do the coupons? This Where are they now? Yeah, we would get, we would, yeah, always use coupons to go to like a steakhouse or like sweet tomatoes, like the buffet mm -hmm. restaurant. I think that was South Bay thing. We didn't have one close. To oh, us. oh yeah, no, it was delicious. I super loved going there, but. Um, I guess now sometimes my parents will still like go to Costco and get like those gift cards for restaurants. So it'll be like for 50 bucks, like you get $75 yeah. worth of food there. Um, and so like through that, then sometimes they'll go out. But in general, when we go, when I go home, if my mom's not cooking, then yeah, she like is always like, oh, we should try this like sushi place or mm -hmm. try this like crab place or whatever, um, which is super different from from when I was growing up. Yeah, I wonder if that's also just because our parents' wealth literally has grown oh, over time. True. Like, I think you accumulate most of your wealth in the later years mm -hmm. of your life, probably because you just have more wealth to have returns on. Because mm -hmm. um, if you think about it, growing up, our parents were in their 30s and 40s, mm -hmm. so they probably were still paying back a lot of loans at that point in their lives, and probably worse, you know, struggling more than mm -hmm. we thought or yeah. think they are now. Yeah. Plus they don't have to pay for any of our expenses as yeah. much anymore. Yeah. I mean, I still have a little brother living at home, so they still pay for his stuff and he's still in college, but yeah, I'm pretty sure like the bulk of what they had to pay to raise me is now over. So yeah, <laughs> maybe still paying off college. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> then again, my parents were probably saving for college before I was even in the womb. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. I actually have this super ridiculous story about my dad. Um, did you have cable growing up? No, but I don't know why. I think something happened with the cable lines when they were redoing the lines, but we <laughs> had cable for eight months once. And I watched so much of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody in those eight months. And then when it was cut, it was, it was pretty devastating. <laughs> yeah. I also didn't have cable growing up. Um, and I definitely felt like I was missing out on all those shows that everybody was watching, like Hannah Montana or like SpongeBob and all this stuff. Like to this day, there are still like memes and stuff about SpongeBob that I'm like, what's everyone laughing about? I don't know this meme. <laughs> um, but when I remember one time uh, when I came back from college, my dad bought an antenna off Amazon or eBay or something. Yeah, like, Cause like, I don't even think, I don't, yeah, I don't even think they were selling them on Amazon. No, this was in college. So this oh, was okay. like 2013 or 2014 or something. And yeah, I think you had to buy it off eBay because like nobody was even selling these antennas anymore, but he like bought a really nice TV, but still didn't want to pay for like any of the cable packages, but he mm. really likes to watch football, like NFL football. And so he was like, so I bought this antenna and he like, it's like, the antennas are like six feet long and they're like poking into everything. <laughs> and, and he would just like basically only bought that to stream the NFL like games on Sundays. And I just remember thinking like, dad, like 
you have the money to buy cable or like to buy an ESPN package. Like, what are we doing here? And he's like, no, like, this is better. Like, this is fine. <laughs> we don't need that. <laughs> now it doesn't even matter anymore because everything's just yeah. streaming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my parents only have Netflix because it comes free with T-Mobile. Oh, yeah. I yeah. also have T-Mobile. Yeah. <laughs> and we have Netflix through that. Yeah. I actually think NFL football is the most American thing about my dad. I was just going to say, I feel like that's pretty, like, assimilating into American culture. Yeah, I think it started when he went to, uh, when he was doing his PhD at Berkeley, just Mm. because, like, I think that was probably his first exposure to, like, American culture and stuff, really, too. And he, like, his best friend, that's still his best friend today, is someone he met through that program. And that's, like, the thing they still bond over. And so even though... His best friend lives in Boston, actually. The two of them will still, like, call each other up on Sunday sometimes and, like, talk about the game. And, yeah, it's super cute. (laughs) Well, now we're on to our last segment, which is about the future. Um, So what are some things from your upbringing that you want to carry on to your own family if you choose to have one versus things that you wouldn't want to carry over? Yeah, I think that as much as I hated going to Chinese school, I would probably want my kids to have some, like, bilingual aspect. So I don't know, like, what Chinese school will look like in the future (laughs) or, like, if, you know, regular schools will just start teaching more, like, languages. I think there's already elementary schools and stuff starting to teach, like, Spanish, especially in California. But I think that is something that is important that I hope, like you know, that they would be able to communicate, like, with my parents a little bit, at least, in their native tongue. The other two things that I was thinking about is, I think I still would want some amount of, like, frugality, you know, like, just, like, being able to value, um, like, the hard work that goes into earning money, um, I think is important, and then a strong emphasis in education. Those are definitely the two things that are the same for me as well. Um, Yeah, as much as I hate Chinese school, I'm like, y'all better learn Chinese, (laughs) even though I'm sure my kids will hate me for it. And yeah, I I think it is really important to not take anything for granted, which I think comes hand in hand with, you know, what is being frugal. Mm -hmm. And even now, like... When we use paper towels in the apartment, I'm like, no, those are precious, even though they're like two cents a sheet for paper towels. But I mean, growing up, that's the way my family was. Mm -hmm. And I still think, you know, we should only use things when we really need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a a, a thing that I don't maybe want to carry over as much is that I felt like I wasn't friends with my parents until after I got back from college. Mm -hmm. And I hope that I would be able to have a little bit closer of a relationship with like kids, my kids, mm-hmm. if I had any, um, I think like I see the way that, um, Casper, who is my boyfriend and is white, um, like interacts with his parents. And I really do like appreciate how much like they treat him as like an equal. Um, so I think that is something that I would like to have a little bit more of. I think like there still is some thing to be said about having, you know, like, a sense of like authority or like mm-hmm. um structure i guess yeah but but to feel like i guess that they could come to me with anything um and be honest with me or trust me enough to like tell me things in their life like i think i didn't feel comfortable doing that with my parents like i definitely there's a lot of things that i like didn't tell them or mm-hmm. withheld from them or like even like i didn't really like tell them about my friends 
Like, yeah. I just kind of live my life. And so I think that's, like, something I would want to know about my kid. Yeah. I wonder if a bit of that is because growing up, we were pretty aware. Like, I, at least I was pretty aware of the fact that, like, I am growing up in America and my parents grew up in China. Mm-hmm. And a part of me probably thought that my parents wouldn't understand, mm-hmm. even though, truthfully, I never gave them the opportunity to understand my life. Um, and now that I feel like they are more American, American. Yeah. I feel like they do understand where when probably they would have, you know, understand mm-hmm. all along or at least maybe me sharing my experiences with them would have expedited their uh-huh. ability to understand and immig- um, assimilate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe that's something that will come easier because we have grown up in America and our kids will have to, um, unless we choose to escape this country. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. Um, I think something else that I wouldn't want to carry over into my own family is this competitive feeling. I think mm-hmm. growing up, my parents really compared me to the other kids yeah. in my grade. It was always like, oh, you know, like, blank got 100%. How come you only got 96? What are mm-hmm. they doing differently? Mm-hmm. And in their minds, it was like, you should learn from the people that are doing better than you. Mm-hmm. But to me, like, I was a kid, and when you're put under such pressure, it develops these pretty, like, ugly feelings mm-hmm. of feeling like you always have to beat everyone else. Yeah. Um, and even to this day, it's really sad because a lot of the people I was compared against, they were my friends growing mm-hmm. up, right? So you're like, oh, this is my good friend, but also I want to beat, beat her. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not, like, great. It's not healthy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not healthy mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. I think some amount of competitive competitiveness is probably, like, healthy or it gives you a drive, but I definitely think there is this, like, toxic part of it that a lot of us like grew up with or like it was ingrained in us um that yeah I similarly hope that like that doesn't make it into my future yeah (laughs) and I I yeah I definitely feel it still too to this day like with work or just even like stupid stuff in life I'm like oh I need to like be the best or I need to like or I just need to compare myself Mm -hmm. it doesn't even matter like what the results are I just feel like I find myself like trying to find comparisons even when it's not necessary so yeah Yeah. and it rarely makes me feel any better it tends Mm -hmm. to always make me feel worse (laughs) one thing that I do hope that I can like continue is just in general like keeping some aspect of like the Chinese culture Mm -hmm. um but like for example in in the last not last year because of COVID but like the two years before like I hosted like Chinese New Year dinner for Mm -hmm. us and our friends and I think that is like a way that I found to be able to connect back to like our culture and like um share that piece with like some of our friends who maybe um you know never celebrated Lunar New Year before never celebrated it in their own home like maybe just at work or something Mm -hmm. so that's something that I definitely hope to keep uh bringing forward yeah same for me except I feel like I always had that strong sense of identity growing up. I was a big internet kid. Like, I was always on the computer, and I was very big on, you know, like, instant messaging and all those things. And there definitely was this Asian pride Uh phase of my life, I remember. They were, like, I don't even, I wouldn't call them memes, because I don't think (laughs) memes existed back then. But, you know, how you could have, like, 
um, slogans in your AOL profile or just uh-huh. like in your Neopets account, you can put like taglines and stuff. Uh-huh. And there was a big like Asian, Asian pride <laughs> movement. And I remember feeling very proud of being Asian mm-hmm. throughout that. And I think that still stands with me today. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, very similarly, definitely want to continue that attachment to my culture in the future. I love celebrating you know, Lunar New Year's, the Mooncake Festival. It always felt like I had the American holidays as well as uh-huh. those Chinese holidays. And I, I really look forward to any holiday, mm-hmm. not just for the time off, but just for the opportunity to celebrate life, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I think this wraps up our episode for today. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Yellow Noise Pod. So feel free to leave us a DM or a comment if you enjoyed this. I'll see you next time. Bye.